uh, praise the Lord, um, we were able this last week to memorialize uh, Brent's mother, Karen, who went to be with the Lord. And uh, I just want to say I'm thankful for a family that talks and is loud. As man, it was loud, huh? A lot of people, and they were loving each other and engaging with each other. Um, and I also want to thank God for opportunities to remember the stories that build our lives, the stories that, that really impact us where love and relationship intersect. That was just really cool to be a part of it. So Lord bless you guys, too, as you continue to remember your mom. Amen. It was a blessing. Praise the Lord. Hey, this morning, I want you to kind of prepare yourself to receive something from the Lord. Um, I have some scriptures I want to share with you. And they are aspirational, let me tell you. They are things that God intends in his heart that he wants to do in you and in me. Um, and some of them, and actually the second passage is more instructive, though. It gives us more insight so that we might be able to join the Lord in what he's doing. And, um, and might be able to arrive at his goal and his intended blessing for us. I want you to know, no matter how you show up here this morning, the Lord Jesus is for you. Whether you're a young guy sitting in the back, or you're an older person, and I won't point at the older people, anywhere you are, the Lord is for you, and he wants to work in and through your life. He wants to do something good. He's ready. And he's ready to do even the hard things that are necessary. So I want you to know that this morning. So let's begin by reading a couple passages, and these passages are a part of Live Oak's vision. It's the vision for our church. It's what we aspire to. It's what we're trusting the Lord for. It's what has kept us going all these years. And I want you to read with me again Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, and then we're going to look at Matthew 13 and, and read another passage. But let's read the first. Um, listen to this scripture, and you can see it on the board. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. That's what Isaiah wrote. He was writing about the Messiah that would come. Jesus quoted this passage when he began his public ministry. This contains his vision and his ministry that he's going to accomplish. And it goes like this. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Aren't you glad he didn't say the rich or the beautiful or the powerful? He said the poor. The Almighty wants to make sure you get it. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, not just the ones that are healthy and whole and strong and look good, but the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus didn't include this because God's wrath has not come yet. It will come at its second coming, though. You can mark his word. It will come. He says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is now. And then there'll be a day, the day of vengeance of our God, which will come. To comfort all who mourn. Jesus wants to do that. To provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And he says that what will happen because of this ministry and what will happen with those who carry this ministry forward, they will be called oaks of righteousness. 
a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. We'll be, we'll be remodelers. We'll be restorers. Amen. What a great aspirational passage. But then Jesus gave another one while he was on earth and with his disciples. It's found in Matthew 13, but it's also found in Luke 8. And it's the parable of the sower. And I want you to hear that word again. He told them many things in parables, the Bible says. A parable is a story that has spiritual meaning, right? It has a meaning that sometimes is hidden. And Jesus has to interpret it. So he'll interpret this one for us. It says a farmer went out to sow his seed. Went out to plant it. And, and as he was scattering the seed, some of the seed fell along the path. The path he was walking. And it's a hard path. And the birds came and they ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil, but there was soil there, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. They couldn't go forward. Other seed fell among thorns. A little deeper soil, but it had thorns, which grew up, and it choked the plants. And still, it says, other seed fell on good soil. Good soil that was deep where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown, it produced. Whoever has an ear to hear, let them hear. Let you hear what the Lord is saying to you this morning. So then Jesus interpreted this parable, and he said, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Didn't get it. Weren't ready for it. They were hard. And so the evil one is right present. He snatches that away. This is the, scenes, the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground re refers to someone who hears the word, the seed of the word, and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, because they have all those rocks, they last only a short time. Wither. Seed comes to nothing. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and what Luke says, the pursuit of other pleasures and things. It chokes the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and they understand it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. Wow, they're fruitful. What great passages. They're passages for you and me. They're aspirational passages in many respects, but at the same time, they're, they're passages that give us understanding about God's work in our heart and in our life and what he's done because we have received the word. So based on these passages, we have a purpose at Live Oaks, right? Our purpose is how we partner with God to make disciples. And in many ways, our purpose mirror 
the process a person or any living thing goes through to reach maturity. And that's where we're heading to, right? To be an oak of righteousness. Our desire is stated in Isaiah 61.3 that we're to become, we're to make and we are to become oaks of righteousness. And so this maturing process of an oak or a maturing process of any seed that's planted in good soil is used to illustrate the different stages of a disciple's growth. The growth we're trying to bring one another through and encourage in one another's lives as the Lord is moving. So it's the process that we plan to partner with the Holy Spirit to lead other believers to maturity in Christ. This is our process, so I want, you, I want you to hear this with me. What kind of disciple are we trying to produce here at Live Oaks? Well, we're trying to produce with the Lord a disciple who openly receives God's love and word. Now, you can begin to read this over here on this wall to my right. We left out some of it to try to not make it too wordy. Okay, or here. It's one way or the other. Um, that's Oak of Righteousness, right? This is the other way. Okay, it's to my left. Thank you, Jason. Um, but it's a disciple that we're seeking to produce who openly receives God's love and word. That's no small task. And then connects in growing relationship with other growing disciples to grow in God's love and word. They take another step. And then they give the seed of God's love and his word in service to their families first, then the church, and then the community. And finally, these folks that are growing as they mature, they lead others to God's love, and they lead others to God's word in Jesus Christ, and into this process of becoming a fully devoted disciple of Jesus. That's what we're about. That's our aspiration. That's where we're going. Because we want to see free mature, growing, giving trees. People who are able to walk in the destiny and, and hope that God has for all of us. So how does a person move through this process? How do you really become an oak of righteousness or become good soil that produces a crop of any size? How do you become that? Because that's what you want to be. Say amen to that, do you? Amen. You want to move on. You want to receive this word and move on in faith. So what has to happen? What's the process? So we're going to walk through that. First, the first thing, the soul has got to receive the seed. That's really where it all begins, isn't it? That, that acorn or that seed has to enter the soil and it's got to receive it. Uh, and this illustrates the beginning of a relationship with God. At some point in time, a person has to receive his love, his word, and his will into the soil of their heart and life. They've got to receive him as Lord and Savior. That's the first star step that puts an individual down the road to maturity as a disciple of Jesus. All of us had to do that at some point in time. I hope you remember the point in time where you responded to Jesus' love. You heard his voice, you responded and you repented, and you received his love and his word into your life. You received the gospel, and you were saved. That's where it began. If you can't point to a time where you received God's love and word, do it now if he's speaking to you. 
Do it now, be certain. Because that's where the, that's where the growing begins. To receive the seed into your heart. Yet according to Jesus in his parable, the sower, other than the hard path, the other three soil conditions, they're capable of producing a plant of some sort, aren't they? All three of them except for the hard path. However, only one soil has the ability to bring a plant to maturity and fruitfulness. And that's the good soil because it's free of hardness, it's free of rocks, it's free of weeds. The Holy Spirit has to prepare a person's heart to receive that seed, and that person then must partner and act on their will in that work. And they've got to grow in that seed. So Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, he's he's willing to do the heavy lifting, he's willing to do the difficult groundwork, but it's it's up to us to come to him, to obediently respond, to allow him to create in us a clean heart ready to bear fruit. It's up to us. So my question is this, what is the condition of the soul of your heart? What is the condition of it today, would you say? I hope it's not hard, but some might say it's hard. My heart is hard. Or is it rocky? Probably, because most of us have rocks in our hearts. And we come to Jesus with rocks in our hearts. They're hurts. They're sin strongholds. They're assortment of other things. Mistrust, rebellion. Maybe we even have had offenses that we haven't been able to get over. Um, unwillingness to repent, or maybe just an unwillingness to follow. We're, we're, we're real resistant. I've had heart, those kind of rocks in my heart as I've walked with the Lord. I thought when I first came to Jesus, I was free until the Lord went deep within me and said, hey, you know, to move you to become an oak of righteousness, which is your destiny, you're going to become that, I'm going to have to just keep cleaning things out of your heart. And I thought, wow, you know, I never would have dreamed that that would have been the case, but it was because he was transforming me into the image of Jesus. We don't become the image of Jesus just because we receive and accept him, do we? No, we got to mature and grow in that. But you know what? He sees the end, and he believes it. He knows what he can do. He can do it. We have to join him in doing that. Amen? So what is the condition of the soul of your heart? Is it, is it good? Is, it, is your soil hard? Is it shallow? Uh, is your soil full of weeds, weeds of worry, the deceitfulness of wealth, the pursuit of pleasures in your life? Is your heart divided? Where you're trying to serve the Lord here, but then trying to live in the world and love the world here. What's the condition of your heart? If you know your heart is hard, if you know it's shallow, if you know it's full of clutter, the good news is you can still give it to Jesus. Because it's not news to him, the condition of your heart. But you've got to give it to him. He'll plow your hard heart. I love that song. Plow the ground of my tradition. Knock down the wall of my religion. Your way is better. Lord, your way is better. I love that, and I think of that many times. And say, God, seek me and search me and see if there's any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Keep my heart clean and open. 
He can plow your heart. He can make the soil of your heart soft again. He'll dig out the rocks. He'll dig out the weeds. He'll make your heart ready for depth and fruitfulness. All you got to do is come to him. And he'll bring healing to your heart and make it whole. No matter what its condition is. I worked in landscaping in California before we ever moved out here while I was young and strong. And I would never do that again. And we'd put in custom yards in people's backyards in front. In this one yard, and it was in an area, and every time we knew we'd go to that area, people had more money than small countries, but there were rocks everywhere in the ground. So much so that we would we'd have to, in this one house, everything we did was, was just a trial and struggle. We had jackhammers and all sorts of things, and handheld jackhammers with scoops just to plant a plant in the ground. I mean, it's ridiculous. But they wanted this, this property to be flourishing and beautiful, and they wanted sprinkler systems all through it. It's where I built my first little dry bridge. I was so proud of it, and yada, yada. Man, it was great. But the tons and tons and yards and yards of topsoil we had to bring in was ridiculous. And the tons and tons and yards of mulch we had to bring in was ridiculous. And we, I can still remember that we had 100 almost 150 plants and trees together that we had to plant. And guess who had to plant them? Moi. And I had to jackhammer every single one of them. Wow. But we were committed. We were committed to seeing that thing flourish and be beautiful. I never got to go back up, but my, my boss told me, man, it took off. It took off because we, we did the hard dirt work and we were committed. We got paid, but probably not enough. I didn't get paid enough for that. But we were committed. The Lord's even more committed than we are. It doesn't matter the condition of your heart. What matters is if you bring it to the Lord and trust him. The seed must be received in the soil of a person's heart before it can move on to the next stage. Second, once that natural seed of the oak has penetrated the soil, once it's been received, that, soil, that seed has to grow. And it grows roots, and it grows a trunk, and it grows branches. It must stay together as a unified whole if it's going to grow, and it has different parts. And as that tree, and that tree grows, it has to maintain that unity and that relationship with all of its parts. See, you and I, we've been saved. You and I have received this seed, but we've been saved to be a part of a family. We've been saved to be a functioning member of a body. We have, we're a part, and we've been saved for that. As believers, we grow in relationship with others. And as we are in relationship with others, we thrive. Each part builds one another up in love, and as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. A Christian can't get built up or sharpened outside of a relationship with the body of Christ. It can't happen. The place where this growth occurs is in small groups. It is in one-on-one -on -one encounters. That's how it happens. Face-to-face -face or in small groups. I, I can't say that any clearer and straightforward. As a growing believer who's going to become an oak of righteousness, that's one of the rocks that have to be taken out. You say, well, I don't play well with others. I don't really like other people. Or I don't do well in groups. Or I don't do... That's part of the rocks that need to be taken out of your heart, I'm sorry to say. 
Now, as a firstborn, so we sometimes say things too straight, so take that with a lot of compassion. Okay? That's part of the issue. That's part of the issue. You need other people to show you your blind spots. You need other people to sharpen you. You need other people to help you take the next step with Jesus. It's so true. And the people you think you don't need, if you start needing them and you start listening to them, you'll find out they're the ones you needed the most in your life and you never knew it. You never knew it. Some things in discipleship can happen in rows, like we're sitting in today, but some of the most important things in discipleship happen in circles and one-on-one with believers in the church that the Holy Spirit has planted you in. He wants you to be mutually submitted to one another out of reverence for Christ. God plans to use the people around you to make you more like Christ. You can't do that if you don't mutually submit. You get that? If you're not mutually submitting, you're not mutually submitted. Does that make sense? Yeah. But yet we play a little mind game with ourselves and think, I don't really have to do that. I don't have to be a part of that. I don't have to go to that. I don't have to do that. Well, you can play that mind game, but you'll be stunted and stopped until you trust God's love for you. His love is there. His love is leading. Have you made it a priority and are you investing in growing relationships? Are you doing that? Are you doing that in small groups? Are you doing that in one-on-ones with people? Are you doing that? That's an important second step. Number three, a healthy oak, it moves on as it grows to more mature, uh, to a more mature stage where it bears fruit, it bears seeds, and it gives them away. Bears fruit, bears seeds, and gives them away. That's a wonderful time. My little mandarin tree, oh my gosh, did I have a great harvest this second year. <coughs> they were huge and sweet. And we are babying that thing along. I had at least 14 big fruit on it. And that baby gave most of them to me, okay? Now, I gave them to other people, too. I shared them to Jody. And, but, um, yeah, I shared them. But there was only 14. Come on, you know? All that work. But it was wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So, so two growing believers bear spiritual fruit, and they give themselves. They give their gifts, they give their resources to others, first in the family of God, or in their own family, and then in the family of God, the church, and then the greater community. A growing, maturing disciple is going to hone his or her gifts for service to others. They're going to see we've been called to give like Jesus. We are giving trees. One thing that's crystal clear is a believer who lives in and carries out this mission of Isaiah 61 passage, they become an oak of righteousness, right? They become a giving tree. They are not an ornamental tree known for their beauty. They're just not supposed to show up and look good, right? No, rather they're a giving tree known for their generosity, known for their graciousness, known for their fruitfulness, known for their commission to... the commitment to the mission of sharing their story and resources, of investing themselves in their gifts for the blessing of others, and playing their role in the restoring work of Jesus in the lives of others through the church, his body. That's what they're known for. 
And they're not known for looking at, well, if other people aren't doing it, why should I do it? Well, that person's not doing it, why should I do it? It's not what it's about. It's never about that. You know, I hate to always say it, but firstborns know that. You know, down the line, sometimes you don't know that. You go, well, he's not doing it. Why? And you're like, hey, you do it because you're supposed to do it, right? You're supposed to be responsible. Well, no, Jesus doesn't do that to us. <coughs> he calls us forward and says, this is it. Follow me. Come to me. Come to me. God intends for you and me to be a giving tree, to generously give like him. I want to read a little book. How many of you have read this book, The Giving Tree? Raise your hand by Shel Silverstein. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times we read this book, and I've read it several times. In fact, I gave this book to Jody's grandparents. It's written in. I got it back after they passed. It says, my new grandparents, whom I love dearly, your son, Kelly. They weren't my grandparents, but they were in the faith. And they loved me, and they were generous to me, and I loved them too, and received them. But I felt like they personified this. We sometimes read this, and, and, we, and we, we read it as an exhortation to children. Look at, see how much has been given to you, so give like that. Um, but this can also be a parable to us as believers. I just want to read this story to you real quick, okay? It's so fast, and I want you to think about it in relationship to the Lord and the church. I might even show you some pictures. There once was a tree, amen? And she loved the little boy. And every day the boy would come, and he'd play. He'd gather up her leaves. He'd make them into crowns. He'd climb up her trunk. He did all sorts of things. And he'd swing from her branches. He'd eat her apples. Man. And they would play and go hide and seek. And what's really kind of dear in the story is it says, and when he was tired, he would sleep in her shade. And the boy loved the tree very much, and the tree was happy. See that? The boy loved the tree, and the tree was really happy. It was wild. But guess what happened, right? And I'm not going to show you the rest, but the, the boy grew. And then pretty soon he quit coming as often. He's got a girlfriend first, right? And then he comes to the tree after time went by, and as he grew older, the tree was often alone. And then one day the boy came to the tree, he says, and, and the tree said, come boy, come and climb my trunk, swing from my branches, eat apples and play in my shade and be happy. I'm too big to climb, said the boy, or to play. I want to buy things, I want to have fun, I want some money. Can you give me some money? I'm sorry, said the tree, but I have no money. I only have leaves and apples. Take my apples, boy, and sell them in the city, and then you'll have money, and you'll be happy. So what did the boy do? He took the apples, climbed up, took them all, carried them off, and sold them. But the boy stayed away a long time, and the tree was sad. And then one day, the boy came back, and the tree shook with joy. She said, come, boy, come, climb up my trunk, swing up my, on my branches, and be happy. And the boy says, I'm too busy to climb the tree. Said the boy, I want a house. I want a house to keep me warm. I want a wife. I want children. Can you give me a house? I have no house. The tree said, the forest is my house. But you may cut off my branches and build a house, and then you'll be happy. 
And what does the boy do? He cuts off every branch from hers. And the tree was happy, it said. But the boy stayed away for a long time. And when he came back, the tree was so happy she could hardly speak. Come, boy, she whispered. Come and play. I'm too tired to come and play, said the boy. I want a boat that will take me far away from here. Can you give me a boat? Cut down my trunk. And make a boat, said the tree. Then you can sail away and be happy. And so the boy cut down her trunk, and he made a boat, and he sailed away. Cut it down. Took home everything the tree had. And left. Excuse me, it's hard getting old when your hands shake. And it says that the tree was happy, though, because the tree gave. But not really. And after a long time, the boy came back again. I'm sorry, boy, said the tree, but I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. My, tree, my teeth are too weak said, for apples, said the boy. My branches are gone, said the tree. You cannot swing on them. I am too old to swing on branches, said the boy. My trunk is gone, said the tree. You cannot climb. I am too tired to climb, said the boy. I'm sorry, sighed the tree. I wish that I could give you something, but I have nothing left. I'm just an old stump. I'm sorry. I don't need very much, said the boy. Just a quiet place to sit and rest. I'm very tired. Well, said the tree, straightening herself up as much as she could. Well, an old stump is good for sitting and resting. Come, boy, sit down and rest. And the boy did, and the tree was happy. She was happy. You get done with that story, it brings tears to your eyes. Who do you want to be? Are you called to be like the tree or like the boy? The tree was happy over and over again because it had stuff to give and it gave generously of itself until it was just a stump and then it still gave itself. The boy was never happy because all he was doing was taking, 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 trying to become happy but never happy because he wasn't a giver. God intends us to give generously, to give like him, to lay down our life for our friends and for those around us. In giving, we receive. Blessed, it's more blessed to give than to receive because it's given back to you. See, that's where the blessing comes. Who do we want to be? The boy or the tree? Right? We're called to be oaks of righteousness. And guess what? Oaks of righteousness give like that. They give generously. They build up. They restore. They, they witness and reflect. Man, we can become like that tree. We'll always have something to give. And our life will always be happy because of what we give. Because we give like Christ and he continues to feel us. Finally, the fourth thing is if we want to make disciples that are truly oaks of righteousness, the oak will reproduce itself. The oak will reproduce itself. How many times? 
Only God knows. But the oak will reproduce itself. Believers will lead others to God's love in Jesus Christ and into this process of discipleship. And they may do it many times over because they're convinced that Proverbs 11.30 tells us the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who is wise wins souls. He or she who is wise wins souls. They give. They seek to reproduce themselves. They seek to share with others what God has done in them because they've received the seed, because they've grown in the seed. They've had the rocks removed. They've had the weeds removed. And ultimately, they grow to a place where they've been able to give their gifts and not hold it to themselves, serve other people. And now finally, they're leading others because they're walking in that truth and they want others to know that good news. See, that's the process we've been called to be a part of. In conclusion, it's important to note something, though. Really important. That each plant seed that is sown into the ground carries DNA. We need to know that. It carries instructions on how to react when water and soil and light hits it. And the thing is, is that the condition of the soil has everything to do with how the seed reacts. That's what's most important for us to get here. The condition of the soil is what really matters. The seed has a mission. <coughs> God's seed, his word, his love has a mission. It has an intended purpose. But only when the soil is soft and fertile can this intended purpose be accomplished. See, only then, only then, and God is sowing his seed. God is wanting to make us oaks of righteousness. The modern church won't always proclaim that. Modern church will say, hey, come get this <coughs> and make us consumers. God said, don't become a consumer. Receive my seed and grow and be a giver. Be a part of my mission. John MacArthur observed this. He says, the problem is not in the skill of the sower. It's in the state of the soil. That's where the problem is. It's in the soil of people's hearts. Put another way, the soil determines the success of the seed. The seed is powerful. The seed is life-giving. But what's the condition of the soil? Indeed, the soil is the focus of Jesus' parable in Matthew 13 and Luke 8. Although the seed and the sower play a necessary part, they do, the condition of the soil will ultimately determine how successful the efforts of the sower are. Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. It's up to us to come. It's up to us to say yes, Lord. It's, us to, us, it's up to us to obey obediently. It's up, to, it's up to us to stay on the course he's marked out for us. That's making us into the image of Jesus. His love will keep us. His love will do the heavy work. <laughs> the power of his spirit, we just have to say yes, and we have to want to, we have to trust him, we have to just simply believe him. Another commentator pointed out something that's really good for us to get as well in this parable. He said that in all of Jesus' parable, there's at least one shock factor that's buried inside that parable, something that caused people to stop and take note. And here's what it is in our parable. 
The conditions of the first three soils would have been par for the course, and people would have gotten that. The last condition, though, would have been very unusual. And sometimes if we passively just read this, we don't get it because we're just kind of reading it, but you should be shocked like they were shocked. And I want to show you how. The reason is that the, in that culture, even a tenfold return would have been significant. Think of that. Tenfold would have been significant. But to think that you would get a hundred, sixty, and thirtyfold return on a crop? Now that was worth listening to. Oh my gosh, we're in the money. We're in the blessing if we have a crop that produces like that. <coughs> if I go to my little mandarin tree and I go from 14 to 104, I'm going to be, you know, you're going to hear me on a Sunday morning go nuts. I'm going to wonder what Grant, because he's the one who has to, it's in his sunroom, uh, what he did to that tree this last year. I want to come back, though, to the significant truth, though, in this parable that can't be missed. The sower nor the seed, neither one of them changed. The only factor of difference was how the soil received the seed that was sown. That was different. That changed. Why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer. This is our aspirational mission. These scriptures describe what we're what we're aiming at, the target we're aiming at. These are the will of the Lord Jesus, his vision for our life, what he's called us to. He wants us to become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. But there may be work that has to happen. What is the condition of the soil of your heart this morning? It's okay to come. But let's come to the Lord with our hearts and say, here's my heart, Lord. I open up to you. Come show me what you want to do. Come show me how I can be what you've called me to be, how I can use my gifts, how I can mutually submit to other believers that you place me alongside, how I can build up the body of Christ instead of running around trying to get it to give my life meaning and purpose. What can I do for it? What can I do, God, to make your kingdom stronger and your fellow believers around me better so that the, the rocks that are in their hearts might be unearthed and taken away, that the seed might be able to go deep and a mighty oak would one day emerge? That's our destiny. That's where God, is, God wants to take us. But we know in some ways that's not there. We're not there yet. It's okay. He'll do the heavy lifting where we receive his word and his love and allow that to grow within our hearts and follow in obedience. So I'm calling you to check your heart soil today and this week. And then as the Lord leads, repent. And know he loves you. And know he can get it done and follow. And see yourself becoming that fruitful vine becoming that oak of righteousness see yourself becoming what the scripture tells you you can become see that and trust the lord and keep walking and as we do that's what we're going to become an oak of righteousness as we do we're going to see other oaks come up 
and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be a blessing. Now remember, this takes time, but sometimes it goes very quickly. Growth happens in spurts. Let's ask the Lord to give us a growth spurt. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you that your word is constantly a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, keep us in your word and in your love. May your word come and just wash over us with a new hope that we don't have to make ourselves oaks of righteousness. We have to allow you to. We have to let the seed grow within us. We just have to allow your love and your purpose to grow within us. We just have to say yes and obey and step forward. God, we know that there's room for us in the body of Christ. There's room for us here at Live Oak. Help us to find that place. Help us to, to bloom where we're planted. Help us to bear fruit to your glory. Um, Lord, let us just be generous givers and giving trees, just as you were, Lord Jesus. We ask this in your name. So we pray for revival. We pray for renewal. We pray for more power to fulfill our mission and vision this year, this week, even today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we all said together, amen. Amen, amen and amen. Lord bless you.